The following program is sponsored by Bell & Pollock PC. Welcome to Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. Attorneys Gary Bell and Brad Pollock are ready to work for you. Reach Gary, Brad, and their team at championsofthepeople.com or by calling 303-795-5900. That's 303-795-5900. Y'all ready for this? The Bell and Pollock Legal Show. This is an injury show. We are injury attorneys, and we bring the show to you to help you and educate you and teach you about different injury subjects each week. We've been doing this for years, and we're glad to bring our show to KOA 8.50 a.m. We're glad to be here. We do a lot of uh, other injury shows that air on Sunday mornings and in the mountains and in a variety of stations in Denver. And we're glad to be here at KOA. So we try to give you the information so you have an equal playing field with the insurance company, once you've been injured, now you have an equal playing field with the insurance company because they're going to try to beat you, reduce your claim, pay you nothing or next to nothing, and they have various ways to do it. And believe me, they have a strategy and strategies to do that. They have their own legal game plan. You need your own strategy, your own legal game plan. For years, we have taught this. For years, we have implemented this. This is not ba based on conjecture or speculation or guessing. This is based on Brad and my over 35 years of experience representing injured victims, helping them put their lives back together again, helping their families, helping them bridge the gap, helping them navigate the insurance maze. It is a maze. And, you know, a lot of people operate under the myth that I've been injured in an accident. Surely some insurance company is going to treat me fair. Surely... Some insurance company is going to pay me. I mean, I have medical bills. I've missed time from work. I mean, I need to be paid, and they don't want to pay you. Believe me. They're not your friend. They're your enemy. We're talking about the insurance company for the at-fault party, the one who T-boned you or rear-ended you and injured you and sent you to the hospital or sent you to your PCP, and now you're in physical therapy, and you're wondering what the heck is going on. Surely somebody must pay me. So, Brad, let's talk about that just a second. You know, uh, people operate under this myth. They come into our office all the time saying that. And these insurance companies have a strategy and strategies to beat these injured victims. Oh, they've, they've, got, a, they've got a strategy that um, they teach each and every one of their, their adjusters. Their adjusters know full well that they're um, supposed to be approaching this from the very beginning to pay the least amount of money. Um, it's for both the property damage and the personal injury. They do not want to pay you. They do not want to give you any money. Um, they, they want to pay you the minimum amount. When they are forced to, into a situation, they recognize they have to pay you. Then the next question is, well, how can we minimize the amount we're going to pay you? And it's, it's a myth if you think that they want to or they're ready to or they'll just come right up and pay you. Uh, yes, they'll, sometimes they'll come right up and pay you. They're going to pay you a very low offer. They're going to pay you a very low amount, and they're going to make sure that they end out uh, with the best benefits out of the out of the car crash. And uh, they, if the only way you're going to make sure you get fairly compensated is if you know what you're doing, if you understand what your rights are, if you understand what the potential recovery is, if you understand what's available to you. And uh, the only way you're going to know that is getting to an attorney who will teach you or getting to an attorney who will do the work for you, maybe both, and getting to an attorney or, or listening to our shows and hopefully getting an understanding of what you're dealing with so you can you can protect your rights from the very beginning. 
I tell you what, uh, you need to understand, you need to know this stuff. You need to know this information. You need to be taught. That's what we do every week. We do a variety of injury shows. This is an injury show. You know, and by the way, uh, we also do a Saturday call-in show. It's on KHOW at 7 o'clock in the morning. That show we do is a community service to answer legal questions on any legal subject, and you can call that show. That's a live call-in show. You can do that. These shows are designed to teach you and educate you. you, you got to go to the very basics. When you have an accident, uh, you say it was the other person's fault. We, we've told you before in other shows previous to this one, even if you're in a rear-end accident, they tend to try to blame you for part or all of the accident. You go, what? How can that happen? And we've covered that, uh, and we've covered that uh, last week in, in, in our show. But, Brad, you have to be able to prove liability. I mean, an accident is broken down into two basic parts. Liability, who's at fault, who did something wrong, and damages. What are your injuries? How much should you be paid for your damages? We're talking about liability. And one way to prove liability is to prove what ha- happened in the accident. Look at the debris. We covered that. But another good way that we're going to talk about today on today's show is, is the at-fault driver impaired? Impaired. And there's a variety of ways they can be impaired. And so Brad and I are going to be talking about this today. You're, you can be impaired through drunk driving. You can be impaired through taking prescription drugs, and we're going to cover how you, how that works today. You can be impaired uh, on uh, taking or ingesting or smoking marijuana. And what are the laws on this? How do you use it to your advantage? So, Brad, let's cover first with everybody. You're going to try to prove liability, but if you can prove one of these uh, elements that the at-fault driver was impaired, you have extra leverage against the insurance company. In most cases, you do. Uh, I want everybody to understand. I still remember uh, an attorney that uh, does quite a bit of advertising on TV when, for impaired driving. And I talked to him one time, and he said it, it took him his first couple of cases to realize you couldn't just walk in and say the the driver was drunk. You still had to show negligence. You still had to show that he did something wrong. Now, impaired quite often helps you to determine and show why the driver uh, uh, was responsible. He shows why the res- the driver caused the crash. You're still going to have to break down the crash, but the impaired element of it is a very significant element of it for um, jurors to understand why the person might have acted the way they did, and also is very in- a significant part of it to help you to understand what was going on in the minds of the driver, and maybe this wasn't as much of a just a simple negligence, inattentive crash, but it was something where the person intentionally uh, diverted their attention from driving to some other act uh, that they were doing in their vehicle or that they'd been doing prior to getting into their vehicle. You know, uh, we talk about being impaired, and we always look for it, and every good attorney should look for it, and you should look for it if you're in an accident. Look at the outfall driver. It's Sometimes it's difficult to prove, and sometimes you can't prove it. But, you know, what difference does it make? What difference does it make in the end if you're impaired, if the at-fault driver is impaired? It, puts, it gives you extra leverage against the insurance company, who we just said, and we've tried to teach you, doesn't want to pay you anything at all anyway. They, and they're looking for reasons not to pay you. Therefore, if you give them extra incentive, and we're going to break it down in today's show why that gives them extra incentive uh, to pay you, uh, and that's what you do. And that's how you, how you use it and how you use it to your advantage, and it should be used to your advantage. So, you know, Brad, if somebody's drunk, they're impaired. If they, and we, we've done cases where the outfall driver has misused the prescription drugs um, and, and had too many prescription drugs. And as also we've done it where they are texting. That's being impaired, uh, where you're distracted in the, in the car or the vehicle, and on the accident report, there's a provision for the police officer to fill in if you are impaired, which we're going to cover the police report in another show. But uh, you might be impaired because you don't wear your glasses. 
it is important and critical to prove that they're impaired. But, Brad, let's break it down a little bit further. Why does the insurance company, what makes them move? Because they insure this person that hits you, the outfall driver. So what difference does it make if, the, if their driver, their insured, is impaired? Well, it, it's going to help them to understand that they're facing an uphill battle and that they're they're looking at uh, being being uh, starting the case with a person who is not paying attention. Uh, in every case, uh, the first thing you do in every car crash, the first thing you do is you have to prove negligence. You, you can prove a crash. That should be very simple because you've got the, the banged up vehicles. You've got the, the police report. You've got pictures of the cars being crashed, being, being beat up. So uh, you prove the crash and you can prove a lot of times. I can't say the, every time, but a lot of times, the majority of the times, you can prove where each car was coming from and where it was going. Uh, so you're able to show that. So the next thing you have to show is, did this crash happen as a result of somebody's negligence, somebody's inattentive act or inaction? They failed to do something they should have done, like stop. So they didn't, they they weren't paying attention. And um, it, who's the person that was inattentive? And a lot of times when you're trying to show they weren't paying attention, you want to be able to show here's the reason. And with this person was doing this or that or had been doing this or that. And that's why they couldn't pay attention to their driving. And when they can't pay attention to their driving, they're going to cause a crash. Eventually, you're going to cause a crash, period. Right. Sometimes you can claim punitive damages against the outfall driver, and that's your greatest leverage against the insurance company. So think of it like this. The insurance company insures the outfall driver. They have a policy. Let's say it's $300,000 of coverage for liability coverage. The insured is in an accident. The outfall driver is insured by XYZ Insurance Company. They don't want to pay any part of that $300,000. They want to look for ways to beat it and defeat it or reduce it next to nothing. So one of the ways they, they think they can win many times is if, if, the, if it's what they call just an ordinary negligence case, Brad. You somebody ran into the back of somebody, and so that's just ordinary negligence. So we, the insurance company, think we might be able to win that. But if the driver, the outfall driver they're insured was texting, for example, or is drunk, then sometimes you can request punitive damages and the insurance policy won't pay, but the insurance company is supposed to protect and defend the outfall driver. And the insurance company makes all the decisions. So if they don't protect the driver and the driver gets tagged for individual damages or individual judgment, it's a big problem. Well, the first thing the insurance company is going to tell you is, look, we don't, we don't, um, we, we don't even calculate damages based on punitive damages. We that doesn't mean anything to us because, as we'll talk about later, probably in the show, um, the punitive damages are something that the insurance company will never have to pay. Now, there are certain circumstances where the insurance company will pay more than what the, the insurance policy calls for, but punitive damages does not put them in that situation. Um, the, uh, excess verdicts do. Uh, but punitive damages do have to be considered by the insurance company it, to the extent that they're exposing their insured to their own personal assets being taken or being levied on without without the um, a, a good faith attempt by the insurance company to offer at least up to the policy limits to settle the case. Right. So, you know, next up, uh, if somebody's traveling 40 miles an hour and they're texting and they're not even looking at the road, how far are they gar- going to drive their car? How far are they going to drive their car before they look up again? How much distance is at 40 miles an hour in one second, two seconds, three seconds? That's next up. The Bell & Pollock Legal Show. This is an injury show. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock. Our law firm is Bell & Pollock. We are your champions of the people.
You're on your way to the store, then boom, you're T-boned at 45 miles per hour. Instead of shopping, you're on your way to the ER. Then comes the doctor visits, prescriptions, therapy, diagnostics, ongoing treatment, and the limitations. You have range of motion problems. Then the ultimate insult. The insurance company makes you feel like the crash was your fault. You need a legal game plan. You want a legal game plan. At Bell & Pollock, we've used over 25 years of experience to develop a legal game plan just for you. Our game plan has injury rules, rules of treatment, rules of claims, insurance company rules, litigation rules, rules they use to beat you. Now you can have them and know them and use them to protect you and your family. Our Bell & Pollock legal game plan gives you the rules the insurance company doesn't want you to have or know or use. But guess what? We do. At Bell & Pollock, success is no accident. Find us at championsofthepeople.com. That's championsofthepeople.com. Get your free initial consult and your free legal game plan. We'll help you. Hi, it's Mandy for my friends at Bell and Pollock. I know these guys, they're real. They genuinely care about their clients, and I endorse them because they do business like my dad did. If you've been injured in an accident, call them 303-795-5900. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back to the Bell and Pollock Injury Show, Champions of the People. Our website's easy to remember. It's championsofthepeople.com. Championsofthepeople.com and our telephone number, 303 303- Seven nine five five nine zero zero. That's seven nine five fifty nine hundred. If you've been injured, you can call us. When you come to see us, you get a free initial consultation, and most importantly, you get a free legal game plan, strategies tailored to you, your injuries, your accident, the mechanism of injury, how the accident happened, and just exactly what we're talking about today. How can we prove liability to maximize your chances? to recover fair and legitimate compensation from the insurance company who doesn't want to pay you anything. And they have their own strategies to do it. Okay, right before the break, we were talking about if you're going 40 miles an hour, how far, and you're texting, and I see it every day. Every day when I drive, I see it. They're driving down there. Sometimes they're going 60 and 70, and they're looking at their phone. And so at 40 miles an hour, you know, in one second, uh, you'll go about 117.33 feet, 117 feet. Uh, so, you know, um, two seconds, uh, I mean, two I seconds, that was 117 feet. One second is 58.6 feet. If you go three seconds at 40 miles an hour, you go over half a football field. Think about that. It's over 50 yards. You're driving down the road or somebody's driving down the road, and they're not even looking where they're going. And then, boom, it happens. So that's an impaired driver. That's what we're talking about today. That's our subject, impaired drivers. So, Brad, let's talk about... How do you prove this? How do you get the phone records? If you got an impaired driver and they're driving down the road, they go over 50 yards, uh, they slam into somebody, and then they say, well, I wasn't on my phone. What do you do? Well, there, there's a lot of uh, different angles you have to do and, and approach the case from when you're dealing with uh, impaired driving or when you're dealing with a crash. One of them is trying to determine if the person was impaired. Uh, I think every police officer is trained now to ask the person if they were on their phone. I know every adjuster is trained to ask them if they were on their phone or if they were texting. That's one of the key questions they're supposed to ask. Now, uh, I, it should surprise no one out there that's listening that these, these drivers a lot of times will lie. 
They'll go, no, we weren't on it. I wasn't on it. I wasn't doing that. And so the you can't just take them at face value. You have to make sure that you've checked into and you've confirmed whether or not there's been some impaired driving in the use of the phone. So how do you do it? You're going to have to get the phone records. And to get the phone records, you're going to have to know the phone number of the person. You're going to have to know their service. You're going to have to know who who provides their, their service for them. And you're going to have to get a hold of their phone records and their bill to help you and to let you know whether or not they were at least on that phone and whether or not they were using that phone at the time of the crash and whether they, they, that's part of the impaired driving. If they were texting, if they were using the phone, if they were on the phone, you should have a record of it. Right. You know, if people come in our office maybe sometimes a year after the accident. You should come in there sooner, uh, maybe a year and a half after the accident. And they say, oh, I think that person was texting. I think that person was on their, on their phone. And so sometimes it's too late. Sometimes the records are gone and, and you can't prove it. And then you're left with asking them if they're on their phone. But you can subpoena the records. There's a proper legal procedure to subpoena the records to figure out if they were texting. And most of the time they do not tell the truth. They lie about the fact that they were texting. You know, um, take it, take the speed, you know, at 50 miles an hour, two seconds, you're already past the half of a football field. You're already past 50 yards. And, and many people do it. So you got to be able to prove it. But why does it matter? As we discovered in the top of the show, it matters because it puts extra pressure on the insured to protect, I mean, the insurance company to protect their insured, their at-fault driver. Their job, their duty, their fiduciary duty is to protect that insured. And so, you know, Brad, let's talk about discovery. If you get into a case and you want to discover the phone records, you want to discover the times, um, and some judges limit it, some judges don't when you ask for the order, uh, but you can get the phone records. Yes, you can. Uh, my first suggestion to anybody dealing with this is to ask immediately to get a copy of the recorded statement that the insured gave to their own adjuster. If the insurance company says no, that they're not going to give that to you. Uh, my belief is that's your first sign that you should go get a lawyer right away. Um, don't, don't deal with them anymore because you know they're not going to be open and honest and fair in giving you the information you need to be able to determine the value of your claim. But at the same time, I guarantee you they're going to tell you that you need to fill out certain forms and you need to give them information so they can go through their forms so they, they can get all the information on you. So they, they've already told you they want to create a one-way street, information going to them but nothing going back. Sometimes, I'd say most of the time, the recorded statement or if they say, well, we didn't take a recorded statement, you want the, you want the summary of the statement, we'll, you'll see the question being asked. Well, were you on your cell phone? Were you texting? Were you doing any of these things? Now, now uh, uh, rarely, but every now and then, it's gonna, the, the insured will say, oh, yeah, I was. And you'll have that information. If you don't have it, if you get the recorded statement and the person didn't ask the question or if it's not on, the uh, or if the person denied saying it and they said no no we we I wasn't on my phone I wasn't texting I wasn't using anything I wasn't doing anything then the next question you need to do is ask the adjuster give me your insured's cell phone number and say I'd like to see a copy of their bill please give me the bill they got for the time period of the crash and if they say well that contains a lot of information and a lot of personal information and a lot of confidential phone numbers say i'll tell you what you can black out everything except during the accident give me the hour before and the hour after and tell me and let me see the bill for that time period so i can see whether or not they were on their phone during the crash
Right, and sometimes they say they weren't on the phone, and we proved that they were on the phone. That's a big leverage for you if you've been injured because the insurance company has to try to protect their at-fault driver, and if there's if there's a possibility of punitive damages or possibility of this impaired driving situation by texting, remember there's other ways to be impaired. We're going to cover those in the show. But impaired by texting, uh, then that's a, that's a good advantage and a legal advantage and a proper advantage for the injured victim because that's exactly what happened in the crash. Uh, so you need to get the phone records. So, and Brad just said one of the magical words. Many times it, it, when you ask them, you talk to the adjuster, you say, can I have the your person's uh, phone records or phone number? And they say, no, we can't give it out. That should be an alarm going off in your head right now. It's a freight train coming at you because if they're not going to give it to you, they're going to start fighting this from the very beginning. So they say, we're not going to give you that information, but we want a lot of information from you. So many times you have to you have to file a lawsuit, and when you do, the insurance company say, "Oh, you're greedy. You filed a lawsuit, but they won't give you the information." And that's the way we break it down, and that's what really happens. So, Brad, when you file a lawsuit or you get involved in a legal proceeding with regard to somebody's injuries and damages, you ask in discovery once again for the phone records, and what do you usually get? You usually get a no. We're not going to give them to you. Uh, that's not. Uh, we we told you they weren't they weren't on their phone. It's not relevant. It, it has nothing to do with the case because we already told you they weren't using their phone. We already told you they weren't texting. We already told you that wasn't going on, so there's no reason for you to get their phone. That's an unnecessary procedure. Uh, most courts will support the fact that you have the, 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 the right, and for the lawyer, I think even the duty, but you have the right to check it out yourself, to look yourself, to make sure that the person's telling the truth. There's a lot of motive for a person to lie when they're talking about what they were doing immediately prior to a crash occurring. And it can run a number of different ways, but there's a lot of motive. So when you're dealing with that motive, when you're dealing with those potential lies, when you're dealing with the fact a person might not be telling the truth, and the only way you can determine that is by getting the cell phone records, you need to get to court and you need to ask the judge, would you please enter an order that I can get this? Uh, a lot of times, you know, you're going to be saying, tell the insured themselves or the, the at-fault party to turn over their, their records. A lot of times they're going to say, I don't have those anymore. So the next step you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go to the, uh, to the provider, um, AT&T, Comcast, whoever it might be, you know, Verizon, Verizon any of them. And you're going to have to go to them and you're going to say, give me the phone, give me the phone records and you'll subpoena it and they'll produce the records for you. And what's going to normally happen is, is the the attorney representing the at fault party is going to say, "I want to see those first, so they can do some kind of redaction and they can black out phone numbers that they don't think you should have and information they don't think you should have." But the one thing they can't get rid of is what happened uh, for, let's say, the hour, hour and a half prior to the crash, uh, the time period during the crash, and the hour to hour and a half after the crash. And you want to be able to have that so you can, because a lot of times the, t- the time of the crash is not specific. It's not definite. And so you want to have that information. But you can narrow it down. You can home in on it, okay? So let's just flip this for a second. You know, the insurance company always wants your medical records, right? They want it for 10 years or your whole lifetime. Why? Because you say to them, well, I injured my low back in this accident. And they say, did you ever have a preexisting low back condition? And you go, no. And in essence, they say, we don't believe you. We want to see your records. We want to see your medical records. So you give us, the insurance company, your medical records. But they won't give you the records because they say, believe us. Believe me. The at-fault driver was not on the phone. Just believe me. It's no big deal. 
Well, they don't want to give you the records, but they want the records. If you want to contact us anytime, our telephone number is 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. If you want any of our books, they're free. Just go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. We have a new book coming out. It's going to be out next week. It's going to be it's entitled Car Insurance in Colorado. It's the definitive essential guide on car insurance. You want to know about car insurance? Get a copy of our book. It's free. You can call us our, at our law firm, 303-795-5900, and get a copy of our book. Or you can go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. Next up, you got impaired drivers. And, and we're not through talking about impaired drivers, but you got impaired drivers impaired by texting. We're talking about that particular example right now. What difference does it make? We're going to break down the duties of the insurance company, how it, how it matters, why it matters, and how they try to protect their insured and how they try to hide these records. Bell and Pollock, Champions of the People, will be right back. The following program is sponsored by Bell & Pollock PC. Welcome to Champions of the People, the Bell & Pollock Injury Show. Attorneys Gary Bell and Brad Pollock are ready to work for you. Reach Gary, Brad, and their team at championsofthepeople.com or by calling 303-795-5900. That's 303-795-5900. Y'all ready for this? The Bell and Pollock Legal Show. This is an injury show. We are injury attorneys, and we bring the show to you to help you and educate you and teach you about different injury subjects each week. We've been doing this for years, and we're glad to bring our show to KOA 8.50 a.m. We're glad to be here. We do a lot of uh, other injury shows that air on Sunday mornings and in the mountains and in a variety of stations in Denver, and we're glad to be here at KOA. So we try to give you the information so you have an equal playing field with the insurance company, once you've been injured, you have an equal playing field with the insurance company because they're going to try to beat you, reduce your claim, pay you nothing or next to nothing, and they have various ways to do it. And believe me, they have a strategy and strategies to do that. They have their own legal game plan. You need your own strategy, your own legal game plan. For years, we have taught this. For years, we have implemented this. This is not ba based on conjecture or speculation or guessing. This is based on Brad and my over 35 years of experience representing injured victims, helping them put their lives back together again, helping their families, helping them bridge the gap, helping them navigate the insurance maze. It is a maze. And, you know, a lot of people operate under the myth that I've been injured in an accident. Surely some insurance company is going to treat me fair. Surely... Some insurance company is going to pay me. I mean, I have medical bills. I've missed time from work. I mean, I need to be paid, and they don't want to pay you. Believe me. They're not your friend. They're your enemy. We're talking about the insurance company for the at-fault party, the one who T-boned you or rear-ended you and injured you and sent you to the hospital or sent you to your PCP, and now you're in physical therapy, and you're wondering what the heck is going on. Surely somebody must pay me. So, Brad, let's talk about that just a second. You know, uh, people operate under this myth. They come into our office all the time saying that. And these insurance companies have a strategy and strategies to beat these injured victims. Oh, they've got a, they've got a strategy that um, 
they teach each and every one of their their adjusters. Their adjusters know full well that they're um, supposed to be approaching this from the very beginning to pay the least amount of money. Um, it's for both the property damage and the personal injury. They do not want to pay you. They do not want to give you any money. Um, they, they want to pay you the minimum amount. When they are forced to, into a situation, they recognize they have to pay you. Then the next question is, well, how can we minimize the amount we're going to pay you? And it's, it's a myth if you think that they want to or they're ready to or they'll just come right up and pay you. Uh, yes, they'll, sometimes they'll come right up and pay you. They're going to pay you a very low offer. They're going to pay you a very low amount. And they're going to make sure that they end out uh, with the best benefits out of the, out of the car crash. And uh, they, if the only way you're going to make sure you get fairly compensated is if you know what you're doing, if you understand what your rights are, if you understand what the potential recovery is, if you understand what's available to you. And uh, the only way you're going to know that is getting to an attorney who will teach you or getting to an attorney who will do the work for you, maybe both, and getting to an attorney or, or listening to our shows and hopefully getting an understanding of what you're dealing with so you can you can protect your rights from the very beginning. I tell you what, uh, you need to understand you need to know this stuff. You need to know this information. You need to be taught. That's what we do every week. We do a variety of injury shows. This is an injury show. You know, and by the way, uh, we also do a Saturday call-in show. It's on KHOW at 7 o'clock in the morning. That show we do is a community service to answer legal questions on any legal subject and you can call that show that's a live call-in show you can do that these shows are designed to teach you and educate you you, you got to go to the very basics when you have an accident uh you say it was the other person's fault we, we've told you before in other shows previous to this one even if you're in a rear-end accident they tend to try to blame you for part or all of the accident you go what how can that happen and we've covered that uh and we've covered that uh, last week in, in, in our show but brad you have to be able to prove liability I mean, an accident is broken down into two basic parts. Liability, who's at fault, who did something wrong, and damages. What are your injuries? How much should you be paid for your damages? We're talking about liability. And one way to prove liability is to prove what happened in the accident. Look at the debris. We covered that. But another good way that we're going to talk about today on today's show is, is the at-fault driver impaired? Impaired. And there's a variety of ways they can be impaired. And so Brad and I are going to be talking about this today. You can be impaired through drunk driving. You can be impaired through taking prescription drugs. And we're going to cover how how that works today. You can be impaired uh, on uh, taking or ingesting or smoking marijuana. And what are the laws on this? How do you use it to your advantage? So Brad, let's cover first with everybody. You're going to try to prove liability, but if you can prove one of these uh, elements that the at-fault driver was impaired, you have extra leverage against the insurance company. In most cases, you do. Uh, I want everybody to understand. I still remember uh, an attorney that uh, does quite a bit of advertising on TV when, for impaired driving. And I talked to him one time, and he said it, it took him his first couple of cases to realize you couldn't just walk in and say the, the driver was drunk. You still had to show negligence. You still had to show that he did something wrong. Now, impaired quite often helps you to determine and show why the driver uh, uh, was responsible. He shows why the res- the driver caused the crash. You're still going to have to break down the crash, but the impaired element of it is a very significant element of it for um, jurors to understand why the person might have acted the way they did, and also is very in- a significant part of it to help you to understand what was going on in the minds of the driver, and maybe this wasn't as much of a just a simple negligence, inattentive crash but it was something where the person intentionally 
uh, diverted their attention from driving to some other act uh, that they were doing in their vehicle or that they'd been doing prior to getting into their vehicle. You know, uh, we talk about being impaired, and we always look for it, and every good attorney should look for it, and you should look for it if you're in an accident. Look at the outfall driver. It's, sometimes it's difficult to prove, and sometimes you can't prove it. But, you know, what difference does it make? What difference does it make in the end if you're impaired, if the outfall driver is impaired? It, puts, it gives you extra leverage against the insurance company, who we just said, and we've tried to teach you, doesn't want to pay you anything at all anyway. They, and they're looking for reasons not to pay you. Therefore, if you give them extra incentive, and we're going to break it down in today's show, why that gives them extra incentive uh, to pay you, uh, and that's what you do, and that's how you how you use it, and how you use it to your advantage, and it should be used to your advantage. So, you know, Brad, if somebody's drunk, they're impaired. If they and we we've done cases where the outfall driver has misused the prescription drugs um, and and had too many prescription drugs, and has also we've done it where they are texting. That's being impaired, uh, where you're distracted in the in the car or the vehicle. And on the accident report, there's a provision for the police officer to fill in if you are impaired, which we're going to cover the police report in another show. But uh, you might be impaired because you don't wear your glasses. It is important and critical to prove that they're impaired. But, Brad, let's break it down a little bit further. Why does the insurance company, what makes them move? Because they insure this person that hits you, the outfall driver. So what difference does it make if if their driver, their insured, is impaired? Well, it's going to help them to understand that they're facing an uphill battle and that they're they're looking at uh, being being uh, starting the case with a person who is not paying attention. Uh, in every case, uh, the first thing you do in every car crash, the first thing you do is you have to prove negligence. You, you can prove a crash. That should be very simple because you've got the, the banged up vehicles. You've got the, the police report. You've got pictures of the cars being crashed, being, being beat up. So uh, you prove the crash and you can prove... A lot of times, I can't say the every time, but a lot of times, the majority of the times, you can prove where each car was coming from and where it was going. Uh, so you're able to show that. So the next thing you have to show is, did this crash happen as a result of somebody's negligence, somebody's inattentive act or inaction? They failed to do something they should have done, like stop, so they didn't, they they weren't paying attention. And um, it, who's the person that was inattentive? And a lot of times when you're trying to show they weren't paying attention, you want to be able to show here's the reason. And what this person was doing this or that or had been doing this or that, and that's why they couldn't pay attention to their driving. And when they can't pay attention to their driving, they're going to cause a crash. Eventually, you're going to cause a crash, period. Right. Sometimes you can claim punitive damages against the outfall driver, and that's your greatest leverage against the insurance company. So think of it like this. The insurance company insures the outfall driver. They have a policy. Let's say it's $300,000 of coverage for liability coverage. The insured is in an accident. The outfall driver is insured by XYZ Insurance Company. They don't want to pay any part of that $300,000. They want to look for ways to beat it and defeat it or reduce it next to nothing. So one of the ways they, they think they can win many times is if, if, the, if it's what they call just an ordinary negligence case, Brad. You somebody ran into the back of somebody, and so that's just ordinary negligence. So we, the insurance company, think we might be able to win that. But if the driver, the at-fault driver they're insured was texting, for example, or is drunk, then sometimes you can request punitive damages, and the insurance policy won't pay, but the insurance company is supposed to protect and defend the at-fault driver. And the insurance company makes all the decisions. So if they don't protect the driver and the driver gets tagged for individual damages or individual judgment, it's a big problem. Well, the first thing the insurance company is going to tell you is, look, we don't, we, don't, um, we, we don't even calculate damages based on punitive damages. We, that doesn't mean anything to us because, as we'll 
talk about later probably in the show, um, the punitive damages are something that the insurance company will never have to pay. Now, there are certain circumstances where the insurance company will pay more than what the, the insurance policy calls for, but punitive damages does not put them in that situation. Uh, the, uh, excess verdicts do, uh, but punitive damages do have to be considered by the insurance company to the extent that they're exposing their insured to their own personal assets being taken or being levied on without without the um, a, a good faith attempt by the insurance company to offer at least up to the policy limits to settle the case. Right. So, you know, next up, uh, if somebody's traveling 40 miles an hour and they're texting and they're not even looking at the road, how far are they going to drive their car? How far are they going to drive their car before they look up again? How much distance is at 40 miles an hour in one second, two seconds, three seconds? That's next up. The Bell & Pollock Legal Show. This is an injury show. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock. Our law firm is Bell & Pollock. We are your champions of the people. You're on your way to the store, then boom, you're T-boned at 45 miles per hour. Instead of shopping, you're on your way to the ER. Then comes the doctor visits, prescriptions, therapy, diagnostics, ongoing treatment, and the limitations. You have range of motion problems. Then the ultimate insult. The insurance company makes you feel like the crash was your fault. You need a legal game plan. You want a legal game plan. At Bell & Pollock, we've used over 25 years of experience to develop a legal game plan just for you. Our game plan has injury rules, rules of treatment, rules of claims, insurance company rules, litigation rules, rules they use to beat you. Now you can have them and know them and use them to protect you and your family. Our Bell & Pollock legal game plan gives you the rules the insurance company doesn't want you to have or know or use. But guess what? We do. At Bell & Pollock, success is no accident. Find us at championsofthepeople.com. That's championsofthepeople.com. Get your free initial consult and your free legal game plan. We'll help you. Hi, it's Mandy for my friends at Bell and Pollock. I know these guys, they're real. They genuinely care about their clients, and I endorse them because they do business like my dad did. If you've been injured in an accident, call them 303-795-5900. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back to the Bell and Pollock Injury Show, Champions of the People. Our website's easy to remember. It's championsofthepeople.com. Championsofthepeople.com and our telephone number, 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. If you've been injured, you can call us. When you come to see us, you get a free initial consultation. And most importantly, you get a free legal game plan. Strategies tailored to you, your injuries, your accident, the mechanism of injury, how the accident happened, and just exactly what we're talking about today. How can we prove liability to maximize your chances to recover fair and legitimate compensation from the insurance company who doesn't want to pay you anything? And they have their own strategies to do it. Okay, right before the break, we were talking about if you're going 40 miles an hour, how far, and you're texting, and I see it every day. Every day when I drive, I see it. They're driving down there. Sometimes they're going 60 and 70, and they're looking at their phone. And so at 40 miles an hour, you know, in one second, uh, you'll go about 117.33 feet, 117 feet. 
Uh, so, you know, um, two seconds, uh, I mean, two seconds up is 117 feet. One second is 58.6 feet. If you go three seconds at 40 miles an hour, you go over half a football field. Think about that. It's over 50 yards. You're driving down the road or somebody's driving down the road, and they're not even looking where they're going. And then, boom, it happens. So that's an impaired driver. That's what we're talking about today. That's our subject, impaired drivers. So, Brad, let's talk about how do you prove this? How do you get the phone records? If you've got an impaired driver and they're driving down the road, they go over 50 yards, uh, they slam into somebody, and then they say, well, I wasn't on my phone. What do you do? Well, there, there's a lot of uh, different angles you have to do and, and approach the case from when you're dealing with uh, impaired driving or when you're dealing with a crash. One of them is trying to determine if the person was impaired. Uh, I think every police officer is trained now to ask the person if they were on their phone. I know every adjuster is trained to ask them if they were on their phone or if they were texting. That's one of the key questions they're supposed to ask. Now, uh, I, it should surprise no one out there that's listening that these, these drivers a lot of times will lie. They'll go, no, we weren't on it. I wasn't on it. I wasn't doing that. And so the, you can't just take them at face value. You have to make sure that you've checked into and you've confirmed whether or not there's been some impaired driving in the use of the phone. So how do you do it? You're going to have to get the phone records, and to get the phone records, you're going to have to know the phone number of the person. You're going to have to know their service. You're going to have to know who who provides their, their service for them, and you're going to have to get a hold of their phone records and their bill to help you and to let you know whether or not they were at least on that phone and whether or not they were using that phone at the time of the crash and whether that they, they, that's part of the impaired driving. If they were texting, if they were using the phone, if they were on the phone, you should have a record of it. Right. You know, and people come in our office maybe sometimes a year after the accident. You should come in there sooner, uh, maybe a year and a half after the accident. And they say, oh, I think that person was texting. I think that person was on their, on their phone. And so sometimes it's too late. Sometimes the records are gone and, and you can't prove it. And then you're left with asking them if they were on their phone. But you can subpoena the records. There's proper legal procedures to subpoena the records to figure out if they were texting. And most of the time they do not tell the truth. They lie about the fact that they were texting. You know, um, take it, take the speed, you know, at 50 miles an hour, two seconds, you're already past the half of a football field. You're already past 50 yards and, and many people do it. So you got to be able to prove it. But why does it matter? As we discovered in the top of the show, it matters because it puts extra pressure on the insured to protect, I mean, the insurance company to protect their insured, their at-fault driver, their job, their duty, their fiduciary duty is to protect that insured. And so, you know, Brad, Let's talk about discovery. If you get into a case and you want to discover the phone records, you want to discover the times, um, and some judges limit it, some judges don't when you ask for the order, uh, but you can get the phone records. Yes, you can. Uh, my first suggestion to anybody dealing with this is to ask immediately to get a copy of the recorded statement that the insured gave to their own adjuster. If the insurance company says no, that they're not going to give that to you. Uh, my belief is that's your first sign that you should go get a lawyer right away. Um, don't, don't deal with it anymore because you know they're not going to be open and honest and fair in giving you the information you need to be able to determine the value of your claim. But at the same time, I guarantee you they're going to tell you that you need to fill out certain forms and you need to give them information so they can go through their forms now, I'm, so they, they can get all the information on you. So they, they've already told you they want to create a one-way street. Information going to them, but nothing going back. Sometimes, I'd say most of the time, the recorded statement 
or if they say, well, we didn't take a recorded statement, you want the, you want the summary of the statement, we'll, you'll see the question being asked. Well, were you on your cell phone? Were you texting? Were you doing any of these things? Now, now uh, uh, rarely, but every now and then, it's gonna, the, the insured will say, oh, yeah, I was. And you'll have that information. If you don't have it, if you get the recorded statement and the person didn't ask the question or if it's not on the uh, or if the person denied saying it and they said, no, no, we, we, I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't texting. I wasn't using anything. I wasn't doing anything. Then the next question you need to do is ask the adjuster, give me your insured's cell phone number and say, I'd like to see a copy of their bill. Please give me the bill they got for the time period of the crash. And if they say, well, that contains a lot of information and a lot of personal information and a lot of confidential phone numbers, say, I'll tell you what, you can black out everything except during the accident. Give me the hour before and the hour after and tell me and let me see the bill for that time period so I can see whether or not they were on their phone during the crash. Right. And sometimes they say they weren't on the phone and we proved that they were on the phone. That's a big leverage for you if you've been injured because the insurance company has to try to protect their at-fault driver. And if there's if there's a possibility of punitive damages or possibility of this impaired driving situation by texting, remember there's other ways to be impaired. We're going to cover those in the show. But impaired by texting, uh, then that's a, that's a good advantage and a legal advantage and a proper advantage for the injured victim because that's exactly what happened in the crash. Uh, so you need to get the phone records. So, and Brad just said one of the magical words. Many times it, it, when you ask them, you talk to the adjuster, you say, can I have the your person's uh, phone records or phone number? And they say, no, we can't give it out. There should be an alarm going off in your head right now. It's a freight train coming at you because if they're not going to give it to you, they're going to start fighting this from the very beginning. So they say, we're not going to give you that information, but we want a lot of information from you. So many times you have to you have to file a lawsuit, and when you do, the insurance company say, "Oh, you're greedy. You filed a lawsuit, but they won't give you the information." And that's the way we break it down, and that's what really happens. So, Brad, when you file a lawsuit or you get involved in a legal proceeding with regard to somebody's injuries and damages, you ask in discovery once again for the phone records, and what do you usually get? You usually get a no. We're not going to give them to you. Uh, that's not. Uh, we we told you they weren't they weren't on their phone. It's not relevant. It, it has nothing to do with the case because we already told you they weren't using their phone. We already told you they weren't texting. We already told you that wasn't going on, so there's no reason for you to get their phone. That's an unnecessary procedure. Uh, most courts will support the fact that you have the, 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 the right, and for the lawyer, I think even the duty, but you have the right to check it out yourself, to look yourself, to make sure that the person's telling the truth. There's a lot of motive for a person to lie when they're talking about what they were doing immediately prior to a crash occurring. And it can run a number of different ways, but there's a lot of motive. So when you're dealing with that motive, when you're dealing with those potential lies, when you're dealing with the fact a person might not be telling the truth, and the only way you can determine that is by getting the cell phone records, you need to get to court and you need to ask the judge, would you please enter an order that I can get this? Uh, a lot of times, you know, you're going to be saying, tell the insured themselves or the, the at-fault party to turn over their, their records. A lot of times they're going to say, I don't have those anymore. So the next step you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go to the, uh, to the provider, um, AT&T, Comcast, whoever it might be, you know, Verizon, Verizon any of them. And you're going to have to go to them and you're going to say, give me the phone, give me the phone records and you'll subpoena it and they'll produce the records for you. And 
what's going to normally happen is is the the attorney representing the at fault party is going to say, "I want to see those first, so they can do some kind of redaction and they can black out phone numbers that they don't think you should have and information they don't think you should have." But the one thing they can't get rid of is what happened uh, for, let's say, the hour, hour and a half prior to the crash, uh, the time period during the crash, and the hour to hour and a half after the crash. And you want to be able to have that so you can, because a lot of times the the time of the crash is not specific. It's not definite. And so you want to have that information. But you can narrow it down. You can home in on it. Okay. So let's just flip this for a second. You know, the insurance company always wants your medical records, right? They want it for the 10 years or your whole lifetime. Why? Because you say to them, well, I injured my low back in this accident. And they say, did you ever have a pre-existing low back condition? And you go, no. And in essence, they say, we don't believe you. We want to see your records. We want to see your medical records. So you give us, the insurance company, your medical records. But they won't give you the records because they say, believe us. Believe me. The at-fault driver was not on the phone. Just believe me. It's no big deal. Well, they don't want to give you the records, but they want the records. If you want to contact us anytime, our telephone number is 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. If you want any of our books, they're free. Just go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. We have a new book coming out. It's going to be out next week. It's going to be It's entitled Car Insurance in Colorado. It's the definitive essential guide on car insurance. You want to know about car insurance? Get a copy of our book. It's free. You can call us our, at our law firm. 303-795-5900 and get a copy of our book or you can go to our website championsofthepeople.com next up you got impaired drivers and, and we're not through talking about impaired drivers but you got impaired drivers impaired by texting we're talking about that particular example right now what difference does it make we're going to break down the duties of the insurance company how it how it matters why it matters and how they try to protect their insurance, how they try to hide these records. Bell and Pollock, Champions of the People, will be right back. <laughs> 